When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. This is the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to the pod. If you haven't already on YouTube, FlowTrack Podcast is the name of our channel. You can find it wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Happy Monday, Gordon. How are you? Doing all right. It was a, a slow weekend for me. I had the house to myself all weekend long. My girlfriend Johanna was went to the Hood to Coast relays. For those who don't mm-hmm. know, Hood to, Hood to Coast it's a two hundred mile relay where you have like twelve eight to twelve people. You have two vans and you're going two hundred miles and you kind of rotate like running six miles a piece. And they finished third overall, second in the mixed division, but third overall. So pretty impressive. They ran nineteen hours and fifty nine minutes for two hundred miles. <laughs> Pretty good. Nice. Nice. They put on anchor. Uh, well, she, well, you know, she was like leg number eight, then number, no, she was like leg eight, 32, 16 or something like that. So she was an anchor, but she did have to do one of the harder parts of the course. Cause like, there's like a flat part, there's like different hilly and she had the hardest part of the course at like midnight. So it was like mm-hmm. on top of that, that'd be run at midnight and hardest parts and I think they, they ran well, right? Third overall. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are the exchanges? That's pretty key. So apparently this race can be controversial in the community of Portland, of, of the community of Oregon, because you have like a thousand people all running yeah. on major roads and it's a lot of traffic jams because there's, there's car, there's vans trying to keep up with you. And so there's yeah. one there's a big exchange zone that always gets traffic. And one of the runners on Johanna's team, they had to wait 15 minutes for the person oh, wow. to get there to give them like the baton or whatever they run with. And I'll just like, because of traffic. So the person did their segment and they just were waiting there for 15 minutes for the person to show up in the van to, so they can start running because of traffic. So Jeez. I don't think there's ever been a 15 minute uh exchange zone and track and field but mm-hmm. a 15 minute exchange zone and 200 mile road riding i th- guess is common apparently it happens all the time at that spot and it happens to all the teams where they have a mishap because it's part of the racing yeah you have these mm-hmm. mishaps but yeah so they could have been 15 minutes faster hey. gotta get those clean gotta get those exchanges clean that's the that's the key i guess That'd be kind of frustrating, though. You just get there, and then you, if you're done with your leg, you want to just get in the van and go, and probably <laughs> peace out. And you're just like, wait a minute, why am I, why am I sitting here? Part auto racing, part running. Well, congrats to them and everybody who did Hooded Coast over the past few days. What's up with the, the Paris Diamond League, though, Gordon? Which was on Saturday. We had back to back because we had Lausanne during the week on Thursday, and then we went right into Paris on Saturday. We only have a few Diamond Leagues left, and the big story. As always, 
women's 100. Although we did not get Shelly Ann Fraser Price in this race. She was a late scratch, which was disappointing because we just talked up how awesome it was to see Fraser Price and Thompson Hurrah go back and forth and back and forth. But still a great run for Elaine Thompson Hurrah. Don't let the fact that she's run 10-5 trick you into the fact that a 10-7 low isn't impressive. This is a this is a great effort for her. Easily wins this one. Sharika Jackson gets in for second in 10-97. But Thompson Hurrah, a 10-72. You stack up all of her performances now this season in 10 10-5, 10-6, 10-7, 10-7. It's just a just a model of consistency for Sharika Jackson and or sorry, for Elaine Thompson Hurrah and just consistently consistently dominant say for a couple performances this year i mean what did you what did you think did you think that she had the opportunity to go faster or did you think that kind of went out the window when fraser price scratched yeah i didn't think it was going to be like a record-breaking type run i think you you're bound to have kind of a disappoint not disappointing but like a a subpar to your level performance when you're on this when you're traveling all over Europe, you have run, race after race after race. It makes sense that she ran well, right? 10-7 is, but like, she's not going to be able to go all out to the well every single time you're out there. You got to save it for the ultimate final race, which will be next week, this upcoming weekend in the Diamond League final. So I wasn't surprised, but knowing that her baseline, we, we learned what her floor is, at least. Her floor is freaking 10-7. Like, her floor is like a time that would probably win most of any global championship any uh, any year for the past you know thirty years or twenty years up until Flojo mm -hmm. right. Um, it's just like incredible what she's be able to recalibrate women's hundred times and what we should expect from the best of the best. Because if you told me that I would kind of be like snooze or like eh whatever. Mm. I don't care to a 1072. If you would have told me yeah. that, I would have reacted like kind of nonchalantly, kind of like, who cares to a 1072 like a year ago? I'll be like, you kidding me? Yeah. Like 1072, I'll be like, oh, emergency pod. We got to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. But like now she turned 1072 into running 11 flat. Mm -hmm. And because of how good she's been running throughout the season, right? Now you're like, all right, 1072, cool. Call me when you're running 10 sixes again. Call me when you're back flirting with the 10 fives. You know? Yeah. Only well that pub. You know you're you know you're in the new realm when you just make greatness feel mediocre. Mediocre, right? That yeah, this post she posts on Instagram after some days you just have to show up and be smart about it. So she's basically saying, I just took it easy and I ran 1072. This was me running in injury prevention mode, just get through it. And she runs a 10.72. You're right. 10.72, any other year, except for a couple, winning gold, that's going to be the highlight of your year. You're going to say, hey, man. And then she had that 10.72. She had all these sub 10.9s. And then she had that big outlier, that, that 10.72. But for Thompson Ra, yeah, it's just another in a long line of dominant performances. I hope we see them again this year. Um, Again, you know, face off at least one more time, especially after we talked it up. I don't want to be, I don't want to have jinxed them, Gordon, is what I'm saying. You think there's a chance that they won't run in the Diamond League final? It's track and field. There's always a chance someone doesn't run. I, I mean, I, I'm going to take everybody at their word that they're all going to show up and they're going to, they're going to be there and we're going to get one last 
if not insane time, at, at least a fast race where we see in a close race where we see both of them uh, bring their best stuff. And maybe the conditions finally will give way and it won't be the world's quickest time. But I just want to see see them one more time together on the track. It would be a great bookend to this season, I think. Yeah, hopefully they make it the last event. That'll be good. Um, it was weird. Sca- yeah, the order of this oh, meet was really weird. This Paris Diamond League meet because you're like, oh, what's the big the big climax at the end of the meet? And it was like the the high hurdles. Which no disrespect to the high hurdles, but I would have put I would have featured this. I would have featured this and said, hey, Shelly Ann, you get even more rest from Lausanne because we're gonna put the Paris Women's Hundred at the very end. Can you please show up? It's Paris. Come on. City of Lights. Let's do this. City of Lights? Is that what it's called? Paris? City of Lights? Oh, yeah. 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 Isn't every Again? city of lights? Like, what do you guys have? We have lights. Like, come on. That <laughs> seems like a very uh, basic thing to kind of hold, hold your hat on. Is that the first yeah. your hat on? Well, I was growing up on. in Las Vegas, and people in Las Vegas said, it's the city that never sleeps. And I had never been to New York, and I'd only lived in Las Vegas like as a, as a major city. And I was like, I guess this is the city that never sleeps. And then I found out about New York, and I said, man, New York must have stolen that from Las Vegas. But I was wrong. Other way around. Um, so, what do you think? What do you think? Like in terms of Thompson's Thompson, like just say, say we get them one more time, but it's not a ten, a ten five type of performance. Say it's something in the in the ten sixes, which again is remarkable on its face, and the fact that we're saying it's it's normal um, is it's just an accomplishment. But what do you think about Thompson Hurrah going into to 2022 like what what do you think is her ceiling and what do you think is her base case well before i answer that question the official motto of the city of paris is the fluctuant neck merger <laughs> which is translated loosely to she is tossed by the waves but does not sink i think travis just wanted you to try to pronounce that yeah <laughs> that was amazing you fell right, right for so that. We, uh, My question so is, what's, we, her, we need what's, to have her base, a... what's her base case and what's her best possible for 2022? Thompson, her on. Okay, we, her best case scenario will be world record. No, her base. For 2022. Like what's, what's her I'm median saying, outcome? I, I'm saying with the high end. High end is world record and winning her first ever world championship, which is kind of wild to say because she's mm-hmm. only winning Olympic uh, golds, not world championship golds. So her ceiling would be world record and uh, world championship title. Her floor, I think, will be not meddling in the uh, world championship final because she's done that before. That's her floor. Mm-hmm. And I think her floor time-wise would be what we just saw, a 10-7-2. I think she's going to be able to get back to this range. She's, still, she's not turned 30 yet, so she still has a good four years. Seeing what Shelly Ann has done, she still has a good four years of elite running. Um, so I think her median is going to be, hey, if you want to beat me in 2022, you need to be a 10-6 runner. I think she's been consistent enough running sub 10-8s to be able to kind of recalibrate the field saying, "Yeah, you want to be in my, in my world, meet me at 10-6. You know, all the women out there who are out there Thinking that ten eight's gonna do it, it's not gonna do it anymore. Yeah. As long as I'm around, you gotta be a ten six runner to compete. 
Yeah, which helps you think about who's a possible contender then, because you can only come up with a very short list of people. And if if Fraser Price can do it again next year, that would be impressive. Certainly, she's run the fastest of her career this year, so there's no reason to think that that she would go away. Richardson obviously has the the potential to do that, but just a list of I mean, this is the people who have run under ten and seven five in history. It's just it's nine people that are run sub ten seven five ever, 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 ever. And if she's establishing that as a, a base case performance as her on an average day, it's just it's gonna be hard to stop her in in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. Forget all the forget even the ten sixes and the ten fives. Obviously you're gonna win when you do that, but can Maybe you win seven. when you're just yeah. yeah, can you win when you're slightly off your game? I think shows a true level of dominance, which is where Elaine Thompson is right now. Um, okay, hold on. We got it. So Tampa Eagle in the chat says Paris was the first city with electric streetlights. Oh, there interesting. I'm just taking, them, with I'm taking them at their word. Yeah. I guess every word. other city had like fire, had like cauldrons <laughs> at every street corner. Is that how it works? The gas lamps, right? San Diego gas lamp district. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just making this very uh, American centric here. Um, okay, now, now there's a debate. Now that someone says Uh-oh. there's a town in northern Spain with the first town with electric streetlights. I, listen, I don't want to wade into the electric streetlight debate. <laughs> I do not want to wade into this. This is dangerous territory uh, on the internet. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna steer clear. Okay, wait, hold on. Now this website says Paris laid claim. Now the keyword there's laid claim. Keywords, late claim. It's like, is that like saying you have the world's best coffee? You know, every like mm-hmm. local co- coffee shop says world's best coffee. Maybe Paris is kind of, kind of stealing the spotlight. Literally, hey, the, the st- stealing the streetlight from uh, that small town in Spain. <laughs> That's what it sounds like because they're just kind of using like, well, no one's going to say we're lying. We're Paris. We're one of the marquee yeah. cities in in Europe. They're not going to call yeah. us out on our on our bullshit, but. Someone in yeah. the chat clearly says, no, Spain wakes up every day being like, God damn it, Paris. we're the ones who have the streetlights. Haro uh, is what the person in chat says. Haro, H-A-R-O in northern Spain. Um, but now, yeah, now we're going back and forth. So we're, we're off to the races here. Other big races from the city that may not have developed electric streetlights first. Men's 200. We got a real barn burner in this one, Gordon. This was a fun race between Fred Curley and Kenny Bednarik. Curly gets the win by thousands of seconds. This is thrilling, right down down to the very edge. It looked like Bednarik had a slight lead with about 50 to go, and then Curly ins past him. They both get credit with a 19.79, which was a personal best for for Fred Curly. Yeah, I mean, this we were talking about this, right? Uh, we're like, we're waiting for that. A 200-meter performance that kind of makes more sense for what Fred Curley has done in the four and the one. Uh, he had a chance of getting it at pre, but uh, it was win-nated. Or was that a pre? No, he won the 100. It was at uh, Lausanne. He had a chance of getting it at Lausanne, but it was win-nated. Finally yeah. got that win-legal, elite, impressive 200-meter performance now on his resume to kind of fill out his new like claim to fame, which is having elite capabilities at not just the 400 but the one the two and the four we talked about kenny b kind of being the dominant man at the 200 he's been the one breaking 20 seconds like 50 times this season um Mm -hmm. 
and Fred Curley finally got his first victory over Kenny B, albeit they ran the exact same time. But mm-hmm. hey, a win's a win. I don't care if it's by 0.01 or 0.001. A win's a win. And it, like, we talk about, I took 200 was like Kenny B, DeGrasse, Noah Lyles, maybe Arian Knighton, the young kid. But now that Fred Curley's running 1979, Fred Curley's got to be back in that conversation for if he wants to do it, you know, as a medal favorite in the 200. And we talked about, mm-hmm. yeah, look at this, Kenny B. Look how many times he's broken 20. This was a big reason why I preseason ranked him number one going into the Olympics because I was like, he's consistent, man. Like, he's going to show up and at least run 19.9. And if you're able to do that when the pressure adds and builds up, the consistency will lead to potentially an Olympic title. He got second, but hey, 19.9, not to mention the wind illegal 19s. So it's incredible mm-hmm. what Kenny B has done this season. Yeah, for sure. And you... You wanted to see how Curly's marks now compared all time, and I have some point totals for you here. So his 100, this is Curly, 1262. You got your calculator out, Gordon? Okay, 1260. So for those who don't know, we're taking IWF point tables for his 100, his 200, and his 400, right? And comparing them to Michael Norman, Bolt, Mike Johnson, Van Niekerk. First of all, who has the best 100, 200, 400? Spread. Which which mark you think is his best according to the point tables? His hundred and nine eighty four, his two hundred nineteen seventy nine, or his four hundred and forty three sixty four? I would say it's his uh his one hundred is best. If I'm correct, it is his four hundred. Oh, okay. So what? All right, so one hundred. How many points you got? Twelve sixty two. Twelve sixty-two. So we basically we got to update this graphic here. Travis is going to have to make a new dr- graphic here. So twelve sixty-two in the hundred, which puts him behind Bolt, obviously, but ahead of Michael Johnson, ahead of Michael Norman, uh, ahead of Van Niekerk, behind Tyson Gay. His two hundred, twelve fifty-three. Twelve fifty-three in his two hundred. Nineteen seventy-nine. And then his, okay. four hundred is twelve seventy-six. For a grand total of 3,791, which puts him, wow, I didn't think it would be, I thought it would be better, but it puts him fifth on that list. So it bumps Tyson Gay out. Like, where is he? That's crazy. That's crazy. I feel like it should be better. Don't you feel like he should have yeah, but I mean, look, so Van Niekerk has the huge 4303, which is getting him a 1,300 points, right? Yeah. Norman's 4345 and his, his 200 are better. Then you go to to Johnson, who's racking up huge points in the two and the one, and obviously Bolt's getting massive points in the one and the two. So no, I think the fact that he's up that high is, is pretty impressive. I mean, only two points back from Van Niekerk, because all those other people above him, save for... You could say Norman, but Norman has the balance, but everybody else has those big outlier performance. What's impressive yeah, about true. Curly is just the balance here. I mean, the 1253 is his lowest and 1276 is his highest. That's like a, that's a really low spread 
between those events, which just confirms what we already know, which is he's a metal threat going into next year in three different events. And he's going to leave us all guessing which one he's going to be doing, right? I've, I've said I want on record that I want him doing the one four double because that's he's all about making history books. He always talked about like phase 42, like acquiring the crown, make history, all these different phase nine, all this stuff. People have won the 100 and the 200. People have won the 200 and the 400. I don't think anyone's ever won a 100 and 400. So if he wants to have a chance to do something that's never been done before, he goes all in on the 100 and the 400. And I think that would be the most unique. And then like be a member of the 4x1 and the 4x4. Like that would be yeah. an incre- that That would be like something that won't be repeated something that will be remembered the same way we remember michael johnson's career the same way we remember usain bolt's career if fred curl fred curly when he started getting good was going to go down as like one of one of a a strong solid runner for that era right he, he was good elite right obviously mm-hmm. now they started win more and more medals you go from like okay you're like you're, you're, you're one of the guys, but you're not in the Bolt or Michael Johnson. You can even argue Wade Van Niekirk realm because they have the like amazing doubles, the amazing records that he has yet to really do. But if he were to win the 100 and the 400, the rest of this, he could, he could sit on his butt and retire right after that. He'll go down <laughs> as one of the most impressive track and field athletes ever because he would be literally doing something that you just don't do. He'll be doing something that you do when you're in high school track because you're racing against a bunch of 15-year-olds that you're better than them. He'll be treating the global stage like a high school track meet. And if he does the 100-400 double, that's what I want to see. Maybe he's thinking it. Maybe he's not. Um, he has a chance to get back into that that 400 world, hopefully start. I mean, he ran the 400... Did he run 400 indoors this year? So he's not he like ran he's, outdoors a couple. He ran like a couple outdoors, but he was clearly yeah. heavily focused on the one and the two. Um, yeah, so, but his 400 hey, was still pretty cheap. solid. Yeah, he even did the triple jump in 2013. Maybe get that triple jump number up. Got to juice those numbers up, man. But yeah, I'm just saying, be, becoming doing the one four double will be, in my mind, like. He'll be mem- he'll be remembered for like one of the best athletes in the 2010s or 2020s. Sorry, we're in the 2020s now. Wow, the 20s. Well, I think. Can we say that now? The 20s. I, think, I feel like that belongs yeah. to 1920s. The 20s. I I think he would go beyond just the best in the decade if he did. You he would be a a singular figure in in sprinting at yeah. that point because the, yeah. the the range that 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 would show. Um, and again, it's it's. It's weird because everybody's got their, their strengths and weaknesses on the track and some people's strength is like heavily focused on on one event but and then uh, but other people like you see this in the distance side with Sifan Hassan running 156 in an 800 and 65 minutes in a half marathon is not normal like having that yeah. ability even if you scaled that back and said okay 158 and a 66 or a 67 that's that's really hard to do and she was able to find you know the events and the and pick the right spots to display her talent fully 
And I think Curly is going to be doing the same thing over the next couple couple of years here, figuring out the best pattern. And it's a good problem to have when you're a metal threat in three different events. That's a good position to be in. And then you also have the opportunity to be on two different relays as well. Yeah. I mean, that's also what makes it even cooler, right? The Being on the 4 by one and the 4 by 4 Like, has anyone ever yeah. gotten four gold medals in running events? At one championship, four golds, or four medals at one championship. Four medals and in running events, has anyone done one? Like obviously, people have done triples, right? Because they win two events and yeah. they are they're yeah. in the the relay. We've seen distance triples now. We're at Savannah San. We got Carl Lewis, right? Carl Lewis, though, but that, that I'm saying track only, so not. Oh, oh field okay, events. No, no, okay. no field events. So yeah, but we have seen the one long jump four by one type of stuff. But has anyone ever mm -hmm. won four running events in one championship? No, I don't know. Right, including, no one's ever done in, that. Including, including relays. relays. Yeah, because I'm thinking like Felix said the four by one, the four by four. But by then, she was usually choosing just one running event at that point. Right, and I'm. Wait, are you saying metal? I don't want to. I'm saying metal in all four. Yeah, let's say metal, metal to make it more well, inclusive. Well, because 2012, well, 2012, 2012, she won the two, won the four by one, won the four by four, and then wasn't she was. What was she fifth in the hundred? In 2012, so she got three. She had three first place and a, and a fifth place. That's the one I can think of. Okay, it's because you really yeah. when you're talking about who who gets gold in the four in the, in the four by one and the four by four, a lot of times you're just basically that's basically eliminating it down to American athletes, right? Yeah, I mean I'm sure there's been times in history when it hasn't, but it, usually that that's the country. If that double gets pulled off, it's it's the American athletes. That's true. Yeah, basically, it, I don't think it's happened, or if it does, it's happened once, and maybe it happened in like the 1900s, you know, when a bunch of People who probably wouldn't make the local high school team nowadays because of the way the sport has evolved <laughs> or winning Olympic medals. It's fun. It's always great looking at like the people who are like Olympic medalists from like 1904. You know, it's just like, okay, cool, man. Like that doesn't count. The sport doesn't, the, the sport didn't start until we actually included everyone in the world for the record when we started including Africa. Disrespect. Uh, but like Disrespect all the. Disrespect of the. Of the... <laughs> The uh, someone mentioned uh, someone mentioned Shrieka Jackson as a as a candidate too, and I think she would be in yeah. a spot to medal in four as well too because she's good one two four and then you could put her in both both relays. Obviously, very tough to get gold medals right now yes. in any of those events for the women outside of the because four by one yes one two four no four by four no because you're just going up against all time greats in every single one of those events um oh so anthony says flojo won three golds and a silver so that would have been 88 there so there you go three there is some what precedent was, what was the event she was in a four by four one two one two four by one four by four yeah flojo ran the four by four yeah i didn't know that spoiler alert she was good at it yeah she's got one of the if i'm remembering this correctly she's got one of the all-time they got silver though. 
but that that was one where she got silver. She has one of the all-time splits, I believe. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong in the in the chat, but she's got a pretty ridiculous split. Well, I guess um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she has a her four hundred yeah fifty fifty point eight nine is her is her PB, but I believe her split was really good in that one. I'm trying to find on the Wikipedia. Well, we know this. I mean, we're, we we mentioned like Sharika Jackson maybe can. Uh, Alison Felix came close potentially. Flojo apparently did it. We have yet to even come up with another man that has done it, right? So he could be the first man to like kind of go into this realm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, people in the chat said that she split a forty-eight-one, basically, in one of those. Fights. I heard that Flojo. She didn't run, she didn't run a, lot, a lot of open one, a lot of open fours. Did you know this about Flojo? Did you know that she was considering doing the marathon? Later on in her career. Did you know that she designed yeah. the Indiana Pacers jerseys? Did you know that? She did? I didn't know that. Yeah. Man, read the story I wrote like 10 years ago about her, Gordon. Come on. This is just all Is that, that like yeah, those the, printed out? The Reggie on, on Miller. Your, wall? No, it's too long. It would it would take up too much space on my, my wall. But the, those Pacer jerseys from the, the 90s that you're probably familiar with, you, you're uh, you're old enough to, to associate with them as she helped design those ones. She was into fashion design as well, too. Um, oh, Nermi. Nermi won five golds in 1924. There you go, Gordon. Okay, there what you do in the 1920s go. doesn't matter. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Again, that's like winning okay. your the, the Minnesota State Championship where you won the one, two, four, eight, sixteen hundred, thirty-two hundred. It's like okay. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna need to draw a line though and tell us which times count and which ones don't. Uh what you're gonna need to do. The line is when Africa started running at the meets. So when did they start okay. running? When did Kenya and Ethiopia join global championships? That's when the line starts in my mind. Okay. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's I feel like the, that's a good, because that's when it started, line. like, it was, it stopped becoming just, like, a group of, like, 12 countries. It started becoming, like, a, a bigger thing. You want it to be, you are only counting it when it was truly global. Yes. Not regional. Yeah. Due to carrier pigeon technology. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on the curly... Kenny Benarek race, men's 200. Anything else on that one? No, I'll be, I mean, I'm kind of be interesting to see what Curly decides to do um, for the Diamond League final. He has a spot in the one. He has a spot in the 200. He has a chance to get a spot in the 400 because he's, I think, ranked seventh right now in the 400, and there's one event to go. So if he goes out there in, uh, I guess, Brussels, that's the next one, right? Or is it Zurich? So if he goes out there to the final Brussels. regular season Brussels and runs a 400, he'll have a spot in the final for the one, the two, and the four. And then we can see which event he wants to do, right? I think he should do the four because winning the 100 Diamond League or the 200 Diamond League does nothing because Christian Coleman has to buy. Noah Lyles has to buy. Noah. You, yeah. There's value in winning a 400 Diamond League than there is more value in winning a non to win the one or two diamond league. We talked how interesting the men's hundred will be next year. I think the men's two as well. And usually we're, we're always like, oh, two, there's always a random person that gets on the US team and there's always a random medalist. Those days might be changing. 
with the amount of people who seem eager to do doubles and jump in other events, not to yeah. mention the emergence of someone like Arian Knighton, because right now you have Lyles, Curly, Bednarik, Knighton, and I think Norman is going to consider it if it's possible with a schedule as well, too. So you have a, at least five, not to mention people like Terrence Laird there as well, and a newcomer that we're not even talking about in the United States. Then you go yeah. worldwide, and obviously you throw the grass in there as well. But I just, there never are easy spots, but there are spots where you're like, man, that person snuck in with a 20.0. I just don't think that's going to happen next year. Yeah. I just don't see it. Don't see it either. Women's 3000. Francine Nian Saba gets the win in Paris, 819, which is number five all time. She's actually higher now on the all time list, Gordon, in the women's 3000 than she was in the women's 800. And this was an interesting race with about a mile to go. She gaps the field and she holds about a 10. 15 meter lead for a couple laps. Then it then shrinks to five. She also, she then finally with a 150 to go, Ejigayute gets right up on her shoulder and looks like she's going to go past her. And then Nian Saba was probably thinking to herself, I'm an 800 meter runner. I have silver medals and I'm really fast and kicked away. But I just thought, well, number one, 819 is uh, an incredible time for someone who's an 800-meter runner first. But I, the way she's running these races is pretty interesting, too. She's trying to turn the screws on people and run as much of the kick out of them. But if need be, she still has that, she still has that kick. So this World Athletics thing is saying it's the sixth fastest time in history. I thought it was – oh, sixth fastest time. Yeah, so I think she's fifth fastest performer. In history, regardless, talk about range, Francine and Saba. You got to mention her now. So obviously, we know she was disqualified in the five k at the Olympic Games. She was in the ten k, but clearly, ten k is even yeah. more meters that she's not really prepared for. But in in a, in a world where Nian Saba wasn't DQ'd, do you think there's any percent chance that she could have defeated Safana San? Not Safana San, but she could have meddled. I think we have a pretty clear pattern here as I mean she was really good what fifth in the 10k. And she's yeah. we've seen now the we've seen now the 3K and two miles since the Olympics, and she's been good in both of those. We obviously know how good she is in the seems to be that the longer the distance, the more of a challenge it is for her, which is to be expected because she's an eight hundred runner. So I think she would have been better at the five than she was in the 10, and then you have to look at the competition in the five, and you'd say, okay, well, no, Safana San was, was untouchable, but could she have gotten in there against Obiri and Sagai? Potentially, potentially. Now, maybe that field's a little bit deeper and a little bit tougher than the 10,000, but I just see what she does in the 3,000 and the two mile, and I can't help but think 12 and a half fewer laps, she probably would have been in business. There. I mean, that was a quick race, but, Nothing she couldn't hang with if she's an 819 3K runner. I mean, her PB is one second less than – it's like a half second slower than Safana Sons. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to say that Hassan would have lost because of how great Hassan yeah, was okay. in the 5 and the 10. But I don't think it's out of the question. If Hassan had a bad day, Nian Saba could have came away, stole the victory. 
And I do think that if she continues on this trajectory, she's super new to these events, these 3Ks, 5Ks, and 10Ks, that she is going to become a problem for Safana San in 2022. I think she's going to be a problem for her for the next three global championships. And I think she's going to win a global medal in a 3K or 5K in the next three years, whether it's 3K indoors, global championship, or 5K. I think she's going to win at least one gold in the next three years. I mean, 819 and, you threw the indoor and 3K flat. At me. Well, yeah, because, you know. On a Monday morning, Gordon's throwing out world indoor titles, man. This is too much. Hey, you can put this on the rundown. You got to prepare me for this stuff, man. You can't just be throwing world indoor stuff at me. You're the I'm one who saying. says there's no indoor Olympics. You're there is start throwing world indoor. Stuff. I, it's there are no indoor Olympics, but there are indoor global oh, world championships. Uh, I, I that's what I'm saying. I'm just thinking that, like looking at this these marks where she wins eight nineteen three k and nine flat two mile, and then her five k PB is fourteen fifty four. Like clearly she can run like fourteen twenty, based off of her three k and two mile, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say right now, I think she's going to win a global championship in the next three years. Do you th- would you, would you take that bet against me? That would be silly for me to bet against you right now, which is why I'll do it. I will go on the other side of that. I There's – well, hold on. We're, so we're actually counting indoors? That wasn't just a joke? Yes. We're actually counting. No, we're oh, counting okay. indoors. Well, then no. No, th- then, I will not, then I won't bet against you because, listen – 3K is her best shot, and 3K also is an event in a World Indoor Championships, a championship where we have no idea who's going to show up. So, no, I will not bet against you. Now, you're saying outdoors, where the options are 5, 10, or, or steeple. steeple. I think she should go for – I think she should start steepling, personally. Start steepling. I, I think she could dominate some steeple. She's got eight, she's 819 with no barriers. What can she do with a couple barriers out there? Chepkovich is not the same runner. Right, Geruto and and Frerichs went went sub nine, which is great, but top end speed there. She's a one fifty five eight hundred meter runner. I think Steeple's the way to go. No, five and five and ten. I think it's just gonna be tough because I don't see Hassan going anywhere. And then there's just this new group. There's just all constantly feels like gonna be somebody who's capable of running fourteen, fourteen twenty low, um, twenty nine low. I think is gonna become the new norm. But you have that that ace. In the hole there with the world indoor factor. So you almost tricked me into that bet, Gordon. But I almost. snuffed it out. Yeah, exactly. Not taking it. So I do want to have a, have a mini conversation, though, about Nian Saba, about what she's been doing, and the obviously other headline to what she's been doing is that she's supposed to be running the 800, but World Athletics isn't letting her run the 800 because of a ruling by World Athletics that DSD athletes are deemed to be to have an unfair advantage in the 800 to the mile or 400 to the mile. Now I've been getting some emails and people are upset with my take on this because my take is very black and white is that she's a woman and she should be allowed to run whatever event she wants to run. Now people were like, yeah, but look at the, the, the XY chromosome number 46 or whatever. And that they bring up all these science things about like, unfair advantage and i'm just saying i just look at it she is 
she's not on that track with an unfair advantage in my mind. It, it would be an unfair advantage. She's out there running 750 or running 149 in the 800 or running 1335 Ks. Okay. That's not what's happening. She almost lost in the race in this 3K. If you look at second place, second place ran 819 as well. And we don't look at that performance to be like, well, that person's in a different realm as the rest of the field. It's unfair for, for Tay. She's like too much better than everyone else, right? We look back now at these 800s. We're seeing a thing Mo and Keely Hodgkinson's both run 155 at the age of 19. And no one is freaking out about it because like, the rest of the field could never run 155, but that's what Caster Semenya and Nian Saber were running, like 155, 154 at the best. We are we all are expecting the thing Mo to probably be a 153 athlete, but no one is going to be saying like unfair advantage. No one else in the world can run 153s right now. The idea that these athletes are like running on roller skates against everyone else and that it's just two different fields of competition. This is not true. Like women can run 819. Women can run 155. And that's what these runners are doing. The idea that they have like just an unfair advantage that a thing Mo can't ever get to or that Tay can never get to or Safana San can never get to, it's just not true. Safana San can beat Nian Saba. A thing Mo, I think, could beat Castro Semenya. Yeah. So what? What? I, the, I, I think, just think don't think so, that the argument that they're too too much better than everyone because they're not. They're, the Insama is not out there running seven forty fives. Like she's running eight nineteen. Here, here's Sorry. what's here's what I think is interesting about it, and you, you touched on it briefly there about the advantage because. You can have an advantage and still not be beating everybody, right? Like you could you could see that in 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 the, the, this case, and people could say, "Well, it's still not fair." But here's the here's the problem that I have with that: the way World Athletics frame this, and you go back and you can look at the clips when this decision first got handed down with Semenya. This was all framed around she's too good for this event, and the evidence that they used was look at how much she's dominating this event. And then when they asked, well, why is it 400 of the mile? And they said, well, that's where the largest impact is. And we reserve the right to change it if somebody else dominates another event. Basically saying, we're not really following any sort of scientific protocol here. Is we're just, we're, just, we're just checking it out. We're just watching these races and if there's a big margin. So I saw some of those emails that you were getting where there, people were saying, hey, Gordon, like someone could still have an advantage over someone else and it not be a 750 3K runner. And that still should count. But what I would say to those folks is we'll go back and look originally at why this thing was mandated. And it was, a lot of it was born out of the fact that Semenya was just dominating. So I, I do think it is relevant then when you're saying, okay, well, these people are approaching the same times that other people have run. And then all of a sudden um, we have people going out of this these events and they're able to still succeed. I mean, what do you think? Does does Nian Sava thriving in the three K? Does this prove Ward Athletics's point, or does it refute their point about her not being able to run the four hundred of the mile? I think it refutes it because they 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it refutes it and it proves it. it whatever side you're on, it like proves your point on the other side. In my, that's an interesting point. I think the bigger point is not what Nian Saba is doing, but what, what Safan Hassan is doing and what a thing Mo is doing, what Keely Hodgkinson is doing. Two 19 year olds running 155. Like they have yet to hit their peak. Mm. Clearly, they're both going to be able to run faster. And no one is outraged about they're running too. No one is saying they're running too fast. Everyone wants them to run faster. People were lining up to watch Prefontaine to see a thing Mo run faster. No one was like, yeah. uh, a thing Mo is cheat code, guys. We need to change it. We need to figure out a way to make it fair. It's like, what? No. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, they're, the thing Mo's not out there running 148. Like, she's running a t- like it's like why all of a sudden were we like casters too fast but we're not saying that by the thing mo and the reason why i think is i mean i mean i think people were like saying people just humans are probably going to look at the physical characteristics of some of these athletes and then say like why well, brain doesn't want to make it make sense so i'm going to say it's uh, the biological testosterone limit world and all that science quote type stuff. But they're like, maybe we should just look at, maybe they just were happened to be faster than the field of that era. And that's okay. We have dominant athletes in every era who are just way better than everyone else. Mo Farah was just way better than everyone else. Bekele was just way better than everyone else. Bolt was just way better than everyone else. Cassia Semenya, during her run, was just way better than everyone else. And that's okay. You have that. We now have that now. A thing Mo is just way better than everyone else. And that's cool. Like now there's someone that people are going to chase. They were chasing Caster. Now they're chasing a thing. And they have, you know, a thing looks like she's going to be pretty good for 10 years. So, yeah. and there's yeah. Keely Hodgkinskin is already trying to catch her and it's close, right? She ran 155. So like there's a 19-year-old out there in, in the UK who has a chance to beat the unbeatable in a Thing Mo, right? Thing Mo yeah. even lost this year. She lost the 400. So like yeah. this idea that I mean, look, these DSD athletes were cheat code, it's just not true. They weren't. They were beatable. It just happened to be not as good as the field at the time. If a Thing Mo was born six years earlier, Maybe Caster doesn't, you know what? Oh, I'm going to say, if a thing Mo was born six years earlier, maybe a thing Mo, maybe she doesn't beat Caster, but maybe she pushes her. And then maybe World Athletics doesn't look at this as a problem because they see an American athlete going neck and neck with Caster and they're like, okay, we have competition. We're good. And no one freaks out. But it was because there was a gap in distance and there was a, there was a one, two, three sweep of DSD athletes in the 800. Like no one is saying like, Hey, Jamaica has an unfair advantage in the hundred. We need that. We have a problem because they keep on going one, two, three in every event they're in. No, Jamaica just happens to have three athletes who are born in Jamaica who are really good. They don't have an unfair advantage. Uh, obviously, birth location is not the same thing as biological makeup, and I get it. But I'm trying to prove a point that this whole thing started because of their dominance in the event, not because of some scientific proof that they're able to prove without any, with like all this data that like it is without any doubt, no matter if you're born this way, you are going to always be better than everyone not born this way. And it's not true. 
because Caster could have lost. And we're seeing that now. Nian Saba has lost. She got fifth in the 10K. She almost lost in this race. So, anyway. I, I, mean, I put out a tweet. Kind of show, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's, you know, like I put out a tweet. It's obviously a complex <laughs> issue. It's yes. obviously a complex issue uh, to this. I, I think your larger point here about the origins for why they wanted to make a rule um, matches up again, if you go back and look with what they were saying at the time, which was the, the margin of competition. That's what they wanted to avoid the margin of victory, right? Right in the, in the women's 800. And I think obviously we saw the story last week, right? About the evidence that they used in that, in the paper in order to make their point to Kaz and now being um, like rescinded. And now Semenya's legal team, I'm sure is saying, well, what can we go back and do we have grounds to go to court? again and try to get this tossed out because i do think if you have people drop down to the two or move up to the 3k or 5k right the pressure is going to be on to extend the the ban to those events so that's one thing where athletics is going to have to deal with the other thing is it is is clear everybody's paying attention every athlete every high profile athlete that's been impacted by this they're all from africa they're all from africa and that's something that needs to be dealt with here and, and, and explained too, because from the outside looking in, it looks like you're excluding a lot of athletes born in one geographic area here and other athletes are not being excluded. So again, that's something that World Athletics is gonna have to, to figure out moving forward because we had three women in 800, we've had 400 meter runners over the last, uh, in the 19 cycle and now in the 21 cycle. Um, and there's the common thread between between all of them. So again, I just think there needs to be a little bit more transparency in this issue. And again, like the red flags to me went off when they were basically saying at the beginning, they were looking for a reason to move specific athletes out of the, because you can agree, you can agree that like, that, that there should be a, a policy or a line that needs to be drawn. But I don't think anybody agrees that good policy comes from figuring out the back or doing the end first and then reverse engineering and trying to figure out how you get that person out. Like that's not that's not the the, the root of any good policy or any good rule in any sport. Do you know what I think? I think they wanted to create a policy and I also think they didn't want to ban anyone from the sport. I think they want to try to have their cake and eat it too. Make their What's the phrase? Make their cake and eat it too? What, I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Because I think yeah. they were like, okay, this is the way. We can solve this problem without technically eliminating these athletes from our sport. Because we can let them just do the participation events where we know they're not going to win. Where we know like, hey, Caster, you can only do the race walk. So you're still invited to come to our event, but you only can do the race walk. Just so you can't get mad at us for banning you because we're giving you opportunities in the race walk. This was them being like, we're giving you opportunities in other events. We just know you've trained 10 years in this event and the odds of you being good in these other events probably isn't gonna happen. 
right? But now, you know, me and Saba is kind of like, LOL, watch me. I'm going to start training in the 3K and 5K and, and get good at it. And, you know, a 156 runner being good in a 3K, we know that's not that weird, really, because you see someone like Safana San doing it, right? She's a 156 runner who can run a fast 3K. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Well, and the, and the issue here is should 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 people have to take medication, right, to to suppress something that's naturally produced in their body, right? Like that's the that's the that's the core of it here too. You're asking them to 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 take something on to do something which which uh, as a prerequisite to compete through no other choice of their own other than they want to be able to to compete. It reminds me, and this is not the same thing. So full disclosure, put the disclaimer out there. I'm not comparing the same the same issues. And obviously this example is fraught because of who the person it centers around. That's Oscar Pistorius, right? And I remember talking to someone towards the latter part of his career when he was threatening to make finals. And the person said, hey, I think they wanted to do this because it was a great story but they had no idea how good he would get. And then once he started threatening to make podiums, which, which he never ultimately ended up doing, um, then more and more pressure was on of like, hey, wait a minute, what are the actual regulations here? And they wanted to avoid it at all. They wanted to avoid the controversy, but they also wa- didn't want to put any exclusionary rules in, in place. And then you get to the point where you're just like, ah, okay. So perhaps that was someone within the organization had thought of that example and thought, okay, well, we're just going to, we're just going to lay down a marker right now and we're going to hold ourselves to it. But I'm just, I'm surprised to be honest, when I go back and think about Kaz upholding that regulation, I'm, 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 I'm still surprised that they did it given what we know about all the evidence now. Yeah. And you, you talk about. Oh, we want you. We want you in the sport, but we don't want you winning our sport. I mean, I can even think of a a non like a, another social type issue was people. There are some people on the internet who were in in the in the community of the running community that were kind of antagonistic towards the U.S. Army WCAP program because they thought, oh, they're mm-hmm. not real Americans. They're just getting it by fake work, you know, whatever. They're just Kenyans pretending to be Americans, which is all utter bullshit. They, they, they served in our country, serve, they, they joined the military. I'm, I'm sorry, you, you, go, you go join the military and, and tell me how, that, how it goes. But they, no one was upset about the US Army WCAP program when the athletes who chose to do, go that route were finishing 12th at USA's. Right. And as soon as right. Paul Chalimo and Shadow Kip Churcher and Hillary Bohr started making teams all of a sudden it's like we didn't have a conversation is is the path to citizenship in the wcap truly a fair system why do you care all of a sudden you didn't care three years ago you care now because it's people are winning like are are people supposed to join a wcap and just make sure hey you only can finish 12th and kind of stay under the radar you know are dsd athletes supposed to be like Hey, you can run track and field, but you just can't beat people. You know, are is Oscar, yeah. are, are people who are amp, uh, have amputated legs be like, hey, you can try, you can be try to be really good at running, but just don't be better than able-bodied people. Like, it's all no. Hmm. Athletes and humans are designed to try to be their best they can be and try to win, and we shouldn't start making these 
rules where it's like, hey, just don't mess with the don't just don't beat the people we 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 expect to win. It's all you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think you got unanimous. People are agreeing with you just in spades in the chat. I think you've united you everybody in in the chat. So, um, all right, let's move on to what else we got left on this rundown. Fun story. Oh. Oh, we have fun story. I got yeah. Uh, we have, there's a world record. Where's world record in the half marathon? Do you want to talk about that? We can say that. Uh, I mean, how many times are there world records? Can can you keep? Could, all right. Could you tell me what the old world record in the half marathon was? Did you know what it was? Well, I looked at it yesterday right. when I was prepping the story. Yeah. I have no idea what these records are. I I don't. What, I just want to give not... her credit. First under sixty four. Yelemzerf Yahuala of Ethiopia in Northern Ireland goes 63-43. If you don't know a lot about her, she's 22 years old. She got bronze at the World Half Championships last time around. She was fourth in the Ethiopian 10K trail. So, Gordon, we almost saw her in Tokyo. And she ran 64-40 in April. So she knocked about 57 seconds off of her personal best in the event, but Ruth Chepnegich's mark is now is now gone there. Look, we've got the splits up there, 1506, opening 5K, she was 3022 to 10K, and then 4524 at 15K. So so I'm gonna keep an eye on. I'm with you. The half marathon world record gets broken is seemingly every couple months now. And that's just the reality <laughs> of it because it was never really you know, a huge focal point, but when she breaks it by that much, we know how good she is in the 10,000. We know how good she's run before in championships and how young she is. This could be someone we're talking about in the marathon. We could, we could talk about her in the half. Heck in the era of Safan Hassan, we can talk about her in the 1500. I don't know. She's just a really damn good runner. Yeah. She, uh, broke up that one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, top, the top six marks were all by Kenyans. And now, not anymore. Ethiopian, bringing back that Kenya Ethiopia rivalry that we love. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, she, she's young. She's born in 1999. You mentioned she's 22. So yeah, be excited to see her as she gets older. Start running the actual marathon or running in a fast 10k on a track. See what she can do. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't really have okay. I don't really have that much insight or in-depth analysis of half marathons. Hey, man, here's the thing about being a track and field uh, commentator slash person who keeps track of the sport. It's really hard to be 10 feet deep on every event. There's too many events to like, you know, I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about, I know more about, the 800 than I do the 100. And I know more about the 100 than I do probably the 400 hurdles. Like, because I, you know, I never ran the 400 hurdles. I never ran the 100. So I don't know that as well. You, I only ran the four and eight really in college and high school. So that's probably my events I kind of can mm-hmm. relate to because you kind of know the typical training of those type of events. But like to know like the ins and outs of a javelin thrower or ins and outs of a long distance runner yeah, you can extrapolate of what, you know, you kind of know what long distance training is and 
you know, you know what good marks are because you just look at the list all day. But to kind of have like the auto bolden analysis of every event is kind of hard. There's a reason why most broadcasters have like the sprint play-by-play people, the distance play-by-play people, the field event play-by-play people. So mm-hmm. half marathon is also- just one of those events that's not on my big board of like staying up to date with. That's what makes me elite, Gordon. Thank you for that roundabout compliment. Because at the end of that, you're going to say, other than Kevin, my co-host, who yes. is able to know everything at all point. Update from the chat. They did not get that I was sarcastic when I said you united the chat. So now they've turned against me in their opposition. So it's good deflection by me. Um, all right. Oh, you want to talk about this hurdler? We're talking we about the hurdler, but we're talking about Molly. If we can, unless oh. Travis, do you, do you have to leave? Which one? I just want to make sure we can show the Molly's tweet. For those okay, who don't go, know, we go, do go, this go, podcast, go, go, go. but one of our producers sometimes has meetings and then all of a sudden we have no, oh, he's leaving in one minute. Let's talk about, we can talk about the hurdler uh, on Wednesday. Let's talk about Molly's sidle tweet. So she tweeted out, on my flight was talking to a guy next to me and it came up that I run. He starts telling me how I need to train high, high mileage and pulls up an analysis he made of a pro runner's training on his phone. The pro runner was me. It was my training. Didn't have the heart to tell him. First of all, this is an incredible story, right? For multiple reasons. One, that, like, there's there's this guy out there who, like, does analysis of other people's trainings and keeps it on his phone. Like, it's like a hobby. Like, I don't, like, open up, like, Strava of Galen Rupp Strava and like, hey, what, you know, update my Excel sheets of analyzing his weekly mileage. So I thought that was, well, it's interesting that there's a human out there who does analysis of a random pro runner. Then there's on, on top of that, the idea that this guy does this analysis often enough that he uses it as like a talking point to like, oh yeah, he shares it. Like he's doing a Ted talk to people he sits on a flight with like, when someone, I don't like, you know, anyway. And then last, obviously, the biggest thing is the fact that he does, spends all this time, hours of his life analyzing Molly Seidel's training logs. It doesn't take the time to see what she looks like. It's just like, or what she sounds like. Uh, you could argue maybe they're wearing masks on the plane, so it's only eyes up. But you got to, yeah. you know what a runner looks like. You can kind of tell. She's probably, she probably didn't look like a, a boxer. She looked like a runner in the, in the chair. So, so many things. But ultimately, do you think the choice, the story's true, or do you think she's just trolling us? That do you think this actually happened? Do you think this is actually a man who happened to be analyzing Molly's training logs, and also had no idea who she was that she was sitting right next to him? Hundred percent. Have you ever talked to someone who thinks they know a bunch about running? Those conversations are always awkward. Now, add in the fact that he's talking to an Olympic bronze medalist. I'm sure there's some gender dynamics at plays at, here as well. I mean, yes, this is this is completely, completely in line with with reality. And I could see, yeah, he doesn't see your face because the mask. You could also see a scenario where, like, he he follows elite running, but it's more just in terms of like his own training. So he doesn't actually know the people who are out there. And Molly obviously posts a ton on Strava 
right? Like she's probably one of the faster people to post on Strava. I'm not a huge Strava person, but that's just what I'm what I've gathered, right? She posted her warm up there before the Olympics. So I'm sure he's he's pulling data, but that doesn't mean he's following the ins and outs of elite running. Um, you know what this reminds me of? On Twitter, there's always those threads where it's like someone's like, Hey, did you read the article to the person who wrote the article? And they're like, Yeah, I wrote the article. Thank you for explaining that back to me. That's what that's what this kind of reminds reminds me of. But yeah, like awkward conversations about running and about people who think that they know a ton about running goes hand in hand. I know people who like just don't even want to talk about running with other people, especially good people. They don't want to talk about it, right? Because they don't want the conversation that follows after because strange stuff like this happens. Um, but like, I also think about I, this. I totally story. believe that she, that she wouldn't have had the heart to tell him because that would have made it incredibly more awkward and she probably just wanted to be left alone on her flight. What 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 could you say that you do for a living? You, you would you call yourself a content writer or whatever? If so, if you're sitting on a plane next to someone and they ask you, what do you do for a living? What would you say? And this is kind of hard. You could just say like, oh, I, uh, you'd say I, I work for a sports media company say, around track. You just say CIA. I, I say CIA, CIA usually. But you would tell the person next to you, if, they, if someone sat next to the plane and they say, what do you do for a living? Oh, I, I work for a sports media company covering track and field. And then imagine if that person then busted out their phone and started like showing you, have you ever heard of letsrun.com? Have you ever heard of float track? Have you ever heard of runner space? Yeah. Do you know who Usain Bolt is? Like started like talking to you and like teaching you about track and field. We literally just told them, Hey, but people are weird do. though, man. I've, I've told people I work for a sports media company. And then the first question they ask is like, so Texas football, huh? <laughs> I'm like, what? Like they wanted my opinion on Texas football, just cause I said I worked for a sports media company. People like our, I don't know. And then there's people who just want to talk, right? And they're on a plane and they have a captive yeah. audience and they Can't just want anywhere. to start going. But there's there's definitely a a chasm though between people who follow the elite part of the sport and people who are training in the sport and want to run a faster marathon. It's like the runner's world community and the flow track community. It's like two different things. In the to 5K of- people. Yeah, exactly. So it's entirely, I, I 100% believe that they wouldn't necessarily know who she was. Um, I mean, it's a bit different than like, you know, a basketball player, or a football player is really tall, right? So they stand out immediately. So you could be more inconspicuous on as a, as a marathoner for sure. All I know is my dream is to be in this scenario as that guy with the phone and I am happen to be sitting next to Sixers GM Daryl Morey. And he just talk, and I say, Hey, what do you do? He's like, Oh, I work in basketball. Uh, Oh yeah. Well, let me tell you about these process Sixers and my analytics that I've been doing for the past seven years. And to find out that it was Daryl Morey the whole time, that would be my fun mm-hmm. imagination of this situation. For those who don't know, someone in the chat says, the podcast, if I see I'm a big Sixers fan. Someone in the chat says, if I see Gordon on the street, I will pretend I have no idea who he is so he can tweet out the story. So there you go. There you go. There you go. No, I, I, again, again, just because of, I also, you've probably had this happen to you too. Now this is a little different because it's not, 
uh, someone who's professing to know a lot about running, but you've been in airports, right? Leaving meets where there's a bunch of pro track and field athletes around you. And you've seen people like have no idea who they are or when they at, when they find out who they are and ask them the most basic questions you could possibly think What's your of. mile time? <laughs> I've, I've, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen that time and time again, just happen to be catching the same, same flat out. So who would be, I mean, it seems like one... she, she had a good, she was a good sport about it. Who do you think would be the one distance runner who, when they're sitting on a plane and they say, Hey, I'm, I'm a professional runner and their distance. And that person says, Oh, really? What's your mile time? They kind of would be like, Telling him a mile time is going to make him think I'm not good, but I am good. Like who um, has like? It's basically whose mile PR is way out of whack for how good they are. Yeah, because I feel like that's Ryan always true. Hall. Like, oh, well, I have a good fifteen hundred, right? But no, I can't say that. You know. Oh, I mean, Ryan Hall never broke four, but then again, Ryan Hall is a bodybuilder now, so I don't think any if they because if you said four oh one, people are going to be amazed. I think if you said True. three, if you said three fifty-two, people are gonna think you're lying. Yeah, no one runs that fast. Three fifty-two, what? What are you talking? Was that about? three laps? You, you only did three yeah. laps, buddy. I remember yeah. I was well, in a, my freshman year of college. There's uh, uh, my neck, my neighbor in my dorm, the, the dorm next to mine, female. Uh, we became friends, and I told her that I ran track. And she was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I've, I ran in high school. And she told me I ran a – and she said she ran a, a like a, a 430 mile. Yeah. And I was like, you did not run a 430 mile. If you did, you would not be it's here not right now. Like not like – but she didn't yeah. know. I but think you she don't probably have like that. ran three laps or something. Yeah, you don't want to have that conversation. I remember working with the guy who said his friend ran 750 in the two mile. And I was like, is your friend Hichamel Garouge? And he like didn't get the joke and I never talked to him again. But it's like that's why you want to avoid it. Like yeah. there's some there's some conversations you just don't because if you're so deep in it, if you're such a nerd and you know all the intricacies of the sport and you can smell out when people are BSing you, it's just it's not fun. And and then you don't want to be you don't want to be the conversation police. But you also also Garouge never broke eight in the two miles. Daniel Coleman, I should have had that. But you don't want to be the conversation police. But you also and you don't want to think less of people when they're just making up random times. I'm sure everybody who's run has a story of someone they met at some point who said that they did some fan. And it's not it's never like I got sixth in state, right? Because it's like okay, maybe they did. It's always like you said. It's I ran a four thirty mile when I was eight years old. Or I ran 750 for two miles. It's it's always something so far that you can't you can't let it go, even though you want. I to, did you it. Cannot I, let it go. I spent a good three days talking to this person, telling her like you did not run a 430 mile, and she's like, yeah, I did. I did it in gym class. That's what they said. I ran. I ran 430. And I'm like, you did not run 430. You, if you did, like, she just didn't believe me, and she was convinced. And I think to this day, she probably still thinks she ran a 430 high school mile. But then, for some reason, never got a D one scholarship. So, yeah. <laughs> like, the weirdest are the people who say they ran in college and they you they don't realize you just like check that pretty easily. Yeah, and not club like I did. Well, you can find my results out there too. But 
like they say, oh yeah, I was on the team. Cause you ask him, oh, you're on the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, all right. And then you go back and you can actually verify these things because especially because of the internet, but yeah. yeah what if people only goes back the, to like 2010, 20, 2000. That's what I was going to say. What, you know, the nineties and the eighties, just a wild, wild, like world you records. Got, you got called, yeah. If you got called out on a lie, you were a really bad liar back then because you could have said I ran uh 835 for the two mile but when you start talking 750 then it's like wait you just took it a step too far because i can't verify your 835 but i can sure as hell verify your 750 so we, 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 oh, what's the we need to figure out a time that people can say they ran a mile in that people who are into the sport won't have like what's like the time you could hear from a human from just a guy and he says his mile pr where you won't will you believe it well it's good it's good but not too good. Like, what's that? I guess if they said they ran four forty-five, that's like, like what? When will you well, start being like, ah, I don't know? Here's the thing. Like, I have to be. We had a friend, right, Adamo, who used to work here. Yeah, and he did not look fast. I'm just gonna be straight up, Adam. If you're listening, I love you. Sh- shout out to Des Moines. But then he told me his high school times and they were really fast and I verified and obviously I know he's my friend. So I knew he wasn't, knew he wasn't lying. So part of it's like, you got to get over your own stuff, right? You got to get over your own. Like there's no way this person would have ever been that much faster than me to draw a line. Now I don't, what did he run? I'm trying to look up what, what he ran in in high school, but it was something something fat. Yeah. He was, he was, I mean, he was not good in college. Um, which like you look at his, his first page and it's like, yeah, that was, that was clearly intentional. But in high school, he was good. I'm trying to find his mile split page here. Um, so I don't know, like, I, I guess it kind of depends on, on the person, but also just, I mean, how a person looks when they're 25 or 30 or 35 is, is different than, than how they were in, yeah, in high school. Dang it. I don't even, I don't know. Well, okay, maybe I'll take away, take away like what you because what you did in high school could always be great because we all get old and fat and whatever. But what about like, oh yeah, I ran this five k last week. So like, what would be a five k time that a person could say they ran that's good but not good? At, like if if you're sitting on a plane and say, oh yeah, yeah I ran like I ran like a fourteen ten last week, you're like, no, you didn't. You did not. Run no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think it would be. I think I would just I draw it at about sixteen flat. 16 flat one. Yeah. Okay. So that's the thing. Because Say you ran fit, 16 flat and people believe it and think, yeah, you're pretty, pretty in shape. Because listen, but they won't listen, check the it. People, the people who go, who are that serious, aren't going to be in a hurry to tell you because they know how insignificant that is in the larger scheme yeah. of things. That's, that's why it's a, it's a, it's a clue. Like if you sit next to Bekele on a flight, he's not going to tell you his 5k PR unless you really after it, you got to really be prodding. You got to be really, I don't know. You have to have, you know, maybe extra, like you gave him extra pretzels or something and he's just feeling real nice. So the people who are going to offer up the times are the people who are less likely to be that familiar with the sport. That's, that's where I say there's a correlation between it. Like, did you ever go offer your times to people? It was like the last thing I wanted to say, even yeah. when I was slightly fast. No, because you don't. Yeah. Because you sound either cocky or 
you sound cocky or if the or you're going to get into a conversation with someone who doesn't know anything about it and then they're going to ask you a million other questions or they're they ran too and they're way faster than you and then you just sound like a complete idiot because you're like oh i'm i'm sitting next to michael johnson like it's a, it's a no-win situation olympic bronze medalist molly said yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean look this guy could have got he could have been worse for him right? i mean i guess he says how i need to train high mileage um so I he was would like, have loved to have complimenting molly's training log training yes like, oh this yes. this woman does it right and he just happens to be like yes. so it was a basically it was a whole conversation of molly being affirmed like yeah thanks thanks for affirming <laughs> my what i do thanks for telling me yeah. what my coach did was was a good move <laughs> the olympic bronze medal wasn't enough the guy next to me on the airline saying i'm doing a good job that's what all i needed hey sometimes yeah. you just need a, a that affirmation from a stranger saying hey you're doing good you're doing all right you're doing all right yeah. I mean, okay. So someone in chat says, where you catch the lies usually when they give you two PBs that don't line up, two performances that are nowhere near equivalent. Yeah, I could I could see that. I could see someone saying, well, what's your marathon time? Oh, I ran, you know, 310. What's your best 5K? 1502. Wait, what? 1502? <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Point. I I just think this is something that's gone on for as long as time it's easier to spot it now verify it because everybody's results are online but i just i can tell you i've never met anybody who's really good who's in a hurry to talk about their times just just the, it's the reality of it right they're not gonna I mean, go out there and offer their time you know who's really good at do you know who's doing that right now who? <laughs> carrie richardson she just finished dead last in the race, and within ten seconds, she was really in a need to tell us I'm that she's the sixth fastest all time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll put that in a different. I'll put that in a different bucket. Maybe when people are trying to impress people, at, uh, maybe people are trying to impress people at parties, and they say stuff. But I just still think deep down, especially on the distance running side, there's just all that insecurity. And I think everyone's embarrassed about like, their ah. times. Like everyone knows, like I probably could be faster. Even the, the they're best like, hey, could be faster. Yeah, here's my PB, but I actually did a workout that indicated something much better. Let me just tell you. It's my like the v meme of the guy. The talk, talk. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, if you put it into my IAAF scoring tables. 4277. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, Carson Warholm, when we he has his, like, what, what's your 400 time? He's like, oh, dang it. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, whoa, 4592 with hurdles? You must have run something crazy for the flat 400. Wait, what? Where's that guy going? Why did he leave the party? Carson, <laughs> come back. Come back. I'm sure, All you right. know, who might, like, um, yeah, that's actually a good thing. I bet you a lot of hurdlers probably feel that way. Like, Grant Holloway, he probably refers it's, himself as a sprinter. Right? Yeah, it sucks as a conversation. Like he yes. He can't, like, telling someone I'm a sub-13, 110 hurdler doesn't ring off the tongue the same way as saying I'm a yeah. sub-10, 100-meter runner. People don't want to hear nuance. It's just like you get in a yeah. conversation with someone and you're talking about 1500 versus mile or Grant's talking about he does track. Oh, what do you run the 100 in? They, if they're familiar with track, they might have some concept of 100 meter time, but unless they're really into track, they're not going to have a concept of a high hurdle time. And everybody just wants to avoid 
the awkwardness. It's not like having a conversation with the sport where everybody pays it. Or the same thing. Hey, did you win this weekend? When the track team's coming back from a meet? Well, six people won. Four other people got second. Our team score was this. This is like so confusing. Like our team didn't what do, do well, think? but I did well. If, if, if Grant Holloway is sitting on an airplane and a guy doesn't know who he is and says, he tells him I'm a sprinter and he says, what's your hundred time? Do you think Grant Holloway has like a fake hundred time that he tells them as like a conversion for his sub 13? Or no, I think what Grant Holloway, I think, I think he would say, boy, 12.8, doesn't respect on it. 12.8, yeah. Listen, Grant Holloway literally does not have a hundred meter PB on Tila. He doesn't? So he, this is a great question. Can we get, next time we get Grant on, I want to ask him this question. This might yeah. be the third question. We'll warm him up with some other stuff first, but I think he would say, I don't run the hundred, but in, I, I could probably go, I could probably yeah. break 10. I think, yeah. I think he's, I think he's what he'd say. So he would be humble. He wouldn't lie and make up a time. Cause, but he also doesn't need to say a slow time because it's not like he's run 100 and it was back in 2014. Like he's literally, there's, there's no, I can't believe this is true. He never ran, I guess in the, I'd have to go back to the mile split database here, but on Tila, he does not have a single time on here. So he can get away with saying nothing at that point. Yeah. But, but you're right. It's t like they want to avoid, because then if they find out how good they are, well, so it's a lose, lose. Here's why it's a lose-lose. If they find out how good you are, if you're trying to, if you're the average airport traveler or public transportation traveler, and you want to just avoid getting into a long conversation, which some people don't. Some people like to talk. I like to talk. It's all good. But if you're, I would say in the majority, you don't want to get in these conversations. If they find out how good you are, that's all they're going to want to do is talk about how good you are for the rest of the flight. But if you downplay how good you are, right, then you risk them saying, well, I ran track in high school. Hey, have you tried this? Like, then they're going to start giving you advice, right? Or saying things, hey, have you ever met Usain Bolt? Or maybe they'll say, maybe they'll recommend your own training back to you. So it really is a lose-lose at yeah. this point, right? So basically, what we'll get into is that elite pro athletes should be flying private and just not be interacting with the public <laughs> ever. That's basically what we're learning from this conversation. I think they can. It's just track is really hard to explain to people and it shouldn't, but it's really hard to explain to people. If you, if someone sat down next to Steph Curry or sat down next to Alex Morgan and they found out who they were and they would say, Alex Morgan, how many goals have you, right? Like they would know instantly like, oh, I've been on this many Olympic teams. I've like, it's real simple, right? Yeah. Like trying to identify success with track. There's all these caveats and people just want to talk about what they're familiar with. So they'll go, Hey, what's your mile time or what's your 40 time? And then you get into a weird spot. You get into a very, very weird spot, but those athletes probably fly private too, which also solves the problem. So I think you're right. I think you have the correct solution here. Everybody fly private. There you go. That's what we need. That's the moral of the story. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone. Leave it there. Leave it there. Like subscribe, listen to the podcast on audio only. Tell your friends about the YouTube channel. Uh, but we'll be back Wednesday. 
and then Friday. And I think Friday we'll do it right after the Diamond League in, in the afternoon. So that was fun. We did that on Thursday last week. But Wednesday we'll be back previewing the next Diamond League. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get some cross-country talk going. Started doing some rankings okay. last night. It's going to be fun. Cross-country, right. baby. Maybe. It's back. We'll first see. races are this weekend. The first races are Friday. I'm just saying. Anyway, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Colt. Thanks, Thanks Cole. Travis. Thanks, Travis.